0: Amen. Let's start tonight in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Notice in verse 3 he's saying there are two realms. There there is the realm that we can see. With our physical eye and there is the unseen realm that we can't see with our physical eye now notice also in verse 1 faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen that phrase evidence of things not seen has got to be talking about the other realm that verse 3 is referring to the unseen realm that is more powerful than the physical realm the unseen realm that was the source and the origin of the creation of everything that we see and know in this natural realm but notice that faith gives substance to something. Hope doesn't have any substance. Hope is a goal setter. You and I can hope for healing. But unless we can find something from God that promises it to us, it'll never have any substance. And I think a lot of times people think they're in faith, but they're really in hope. I know that's the case when people come and ask me to pray for their healing, and I ask them what, word, what scriptures are they standing on, and they don't have any. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, except or apart from the word of God, it's impossible to have faith. Now, you can hear stories of people that were healed and that can inspire your faith. But in order to have faith, in order to have a solid foundation for something to change in this natural realm, you're going to have to have the word of God on the subject. Faith gives substance. To the things that you hope for. As soon as I find scripture that says, Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes I'm healed, immediately I can go from the hope of having healing to faith that I can receive it because of what's already been done. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. Faith gives substance to things that are hoped for. And again, the only place that that faith can come from is from the Word of God. The Word of God is the only solid foundation for faith. Bible faith at least. There are different things that we could talk about and, and qualify as faith, but I'm talking about Bible faith, the kind of faith that receives from God can only come by the word. Now I want to read also to you in Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish or is decaying, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Again, Paul is talking about in this case Paul is talking about the unseen man versus the seen man. The man that belongs to the unseen realm, which is the inward man, the hidden man of the heart, Peter calls him, versus the outward man, which is subject to the... the 8, they'll talk about how that the scripture says, all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. I know I grew up with that scripture... And it was always used to explain bad things that we didn't understand why they were happening. Well, we know. Somebody gets sick and died. Well, we know that all things work together for good. But that verse of Scripture talking about all things working together for good comes after a previous Scripture, verse 28, when it talks about praying in the Holy Ghost. After you pray in the Holy Ghost, after you allow the Holy Ghost to help you pray for things that you don't know as you ought to know how to pray then you can know that all things will work work together for your good. But that verse of Scripture is not just some catch-all for whatever God decides to do at the moment that we'll never understand. Here it's saying, these things can work for us. These adversities can work for us. James said, you remember in James chapter 1, he said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. The word temptation there means tests, trials, and afflictions. Count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James is saying you can come through any and every trouble here on the earth joyfully so that you wind up with everything God has promised for you and me. Well, how are we going to receive that? Well, there's only one way you can ever receive from God, and that's by faith. That's going to have to be then a position of standing on the word of God having found out what the word of God promises you and taking hold of it by this thing called faith let's keep reading for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look in other words it's saying you're not going to get the benefits of verse 17 unless you do what verse 18 says I know a lot of afflictions that didn't work for me are far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory they were just afflictions That somehow or another I toughed my way through. But the Bible is telling us that there's a way that we can come through any and every adversity. And come out with a greater spiritual development. And a greater degree of spiritual maturity. How do we do that? While we look not at the things which are seen. But at the things which are not seen. There's that seen realm versus the unseen realm again. For the things which are seen are temporal. Temporal means subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now since Hebrews 11.3 tells us that the unseen realm created the seen realm. Then when it says the things that are seen are temporal. What are they subject to change by? There's only one thing that will change them. And that's the word of God. There is um, an illustration that the Lord gave me a long, long time ago that really helped me start to understand some things and get a foundation of, uh, of faith and standing strong in faith. He gave it to me a long time, even before we started the church, when I was in Bible school. And it's developed over the years a little bit and, and I've tweaked it here and there and, and, uh, and it's something that's just, it just helps me make sense of things. Imagine that we're standing all together in a certain place and behind us is a very thick curtain, a giant curtain. Now, on the other side of that curtain is the unseen realm. We can't see through the curtain. We can't penetrate the curtain. We can't go through the curtain. But on the other side of that curtain is the unseen realm. On the other side of that curtain is is heaven. On the other side of that curtain are all the spiritual blessings that the Bible says are ours in Christ Jesus. Now, when we look a little bit closer, underneath that big curtain are ropes that are laying on the ground, stretched out. And we can see that the ropes are going to the other side of the curtain that we can't see. And each one of them has a label on it. One may be labeled healing. One may be labeled prosperity. One may be labeled peace. One may be labeled, well, any number of things that you can think of that we're blessed with. And the instructions that are given to us is that if we will pull that rope, we will receive... Anything that, or everything that the rope is labeled to be attached to. In other words, if we pick up the healing rope, we can be assured, God's telling us, promises to us, that we can be assured that we can bring that healing into the seen realm. From the unseen realm to the seen realm. The problem is when we reach out and grab the rope and start to pull, we can tell that it's something that we'll never be able to move. Whatever it's attached to must be something big, must be something heavy, because there's no way in the world through physical strength we could pull it. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That means we don't wrestle against the natural or physical realm, not just people, but anything and everything in the natural physical realm. So we're in a dilemma. The Bible says that on the other side of that curtain is everything that Jesus purchased for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. But we don't have the physical means or the strength to pull it to this side. And it wouldn't matter if we got 10 of us and pulled together, we're not going to budge the thing. That's the kind of strong, or that's the kind of weight that is behind this. So, what are we to do? We know the Bible says Jesus purchased healing for us, but how are we going to obtain it? How are we going to bring it into the natural realm? Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We find out through our study of the Word that there's only one way that we can take hold of that rope and it's not with the physical man. It's with our words. Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, shall come to pass, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith." So now we're on to something. We find out that faith is exercised. We know that faith is is, uh, a requirement to receive anything and everything from God. James tells us that in the in first chapter of the letter that he wrote. So now we understand that faith is exercised by what we say. So we take hold of the rope with our words. So we could say it this way. Even as Hebrews 11:1 says faith is the substance or faith gives substance to things hoped for. We could say it in this manner. Our words give substance to the things we hope for. Our words, based on what we found out God's word says, give substance or bring substance into everything that we can't see or from everything we can't see. So now we know the the secret. Now we know, and and Jesus said this. Jesus talked about the whole kingdom of God was like planting seed in the ground. How do you plant the seed? You speak the word. So we're to take hold of these ropes, not with our physical hand, but with our spiritual hand. In other words, through our words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, on one hand, we might be able to say in a general sense that once we take possession of it, once we take hold of those, ro- those ropes with our words, and you don't have to just take them one at a time. You can ha- take the whole bunch. You can receive and take hold of everything that Jesus ever purchased for us. It's ours. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places according to Ephesians 1.3 every spiritual blessing is ours and we take hold of every spiritual blessing in the same way and that is with our faith which is exercised by our words now we've got a hold of the rope what are we going to do now? notice the Bible says that things in the natural realm change while we look at things that are not seen things in the natural realm change while we look at their unseen realm Instead of looking at circumstances, instead of looking at our body, checking how we feel. We look only at the things which are on the other side of the veil. Now since we can't see through the veil, we're going to have to have a road map. We're going to have to have some revelation of what's on the other side of that veil. And folks, that's what the New Testament is. It's a road map to everything that belongs to us, to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's intended and designed to reveal to us what's ours and how to take hold of it. So we take hold of these ropes. We could say, and a lot of people do say, thank God we've got a guarantee that all these things that I'm holding on to, all these ropes that I've taken hold of through my words, all these things are ours. But the reality is, not all those things are gonna be received by everybody. And God's not obligated to bring those things into the natural realm, into the seen realm, just because we speak. Now, you may be thinking, well, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. Well, it is what we're supposed to do, but there's a catch. You want to know what the catch is? Let me show you a couple of examples of the catch. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 23 it says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. So one catch is to hold fast to the words that you've spoken or to say it in a simpler way, I think it's a simpler way, don't ever talk about anything else. Don't ever speak against what the word of God says is yours on the other side of that curtain. Now what he is obligated to do, and this scripture bears it out, he is faithful that promised. He is obligated to bring to those who hold fast their profession of faith according to what they've grabbed hold of, according to which rope they've taken hold of. Verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 10 is another way to say what verse 23 says. Notice it says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense or reward for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Notice doing the will of God comes before receiving the the promise. What does he mean doing the will of God? Well, what God wants you to do may be different than what God wants me to do. So if I just do what you do, that's not necessarily going to be the will of God for me. He can't be talking about that. He can't be talking about individual direction. Because if God tells me to do something and he tells you to do something else, which one of us are doing the will of God? Well, we both are. But there's no continuity to it. Notice he said, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. In other words, the confidence or the faith. Another way of describing faith is, is used to use the word confidence. Is to cast not away your confidence. Now that tells us that there's going to be a struggle involved. Because if there was no struggle involved, where would be the cause Or what could possibly make us cast away our confidence? But as soon as we take hold with our words, these ropes that are attached to the other side of the veil, the unseen realm, the devil's going to come and tell you that it's not working. He's going to bring reasonings to your mind. He's going to say, what are you doing? Why are you saying that you're healed? Why are you using your words to profess God's word when you can clearly see in your body that that's not the case? He wants you to judge the unseen realm from the natural realm. He wants you to determine in your own thinking what is in the unseen realm by what you can see and feel in this realm. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, John said it this way. He said, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And since we know he hears us, that's what the word if means. Since we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we've desired of him. Now that's the confidence that Paul, assuming he's the writer of the the letter to the Hebrews, that's the confidence that Paul says you can't turn away from, you can't turn loose of. That's the confidence that he says you can't cast it away. Well, the devil's going to try to do everything he can to make you cast it away. He can't take it from you. He can't steal your confidence. But he can turn up the heat on this side of the curtain in an attempt to to make us turn loose. Now, whether or not we turn loose, whether or not we cast away our conference, whether or not we hold fast the profession of our faith, that's strictly up to us. He has no say in it. He wants to influence you to use your words against what God's word says is yours. But he can't make you do it. Mark chapter 11. Jesus describing faith. Have faith in God. Verse 22. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Notice he's talking about your words in connection with faith. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That's a little blind to us from the King James translation. But doubting in your heart means speaking against God's word. So when Jesus said that if you speak to the mountain and not doubt in your heart, in other words, refuse to speak to the contrary of what God's word says, refuse to speak against the promise of God, but instead believe that your words shall come to pass. What are we supposed to believe? We are supposed to believe that our words are pulling the rope. We are supposed to believe that our words are moving Our desired result, the healing that we've grabbed a hold of the rope by, is moving toward us closer and closer and closer and closer. See, the Bible doesn't tell us how long we're going to have to believe. The Bible doesn't tell us how long we're going to have to hold fast the profession of our faith. The Bible doesn't tell us how long we have to guard against casting away our confidence. It doesn't tell us any of those things. So what does that mean? That means we have to look at God's word as the final authority, and no matter how long it takes, if it takes forever, God's word is still true. See, the devil wants you to judge whether or not God's word is true by the results you get. But God's word is not true just because you've received something from him. We've all been born again. Well, we know the word of God is true concerning salvation. But the word of God was just as true concerning salvation before we were saved as after we were saved. Our salvation didn't make God's word true. It brought us into an experience where we found that God was faithful to his word. But God's word is true because it's God's word. Because it's impossible for him to lie. So what are we supposed to believe? We're supposed to believe that God's word is true. And therefore... Our words are coming to pass. Now, remember, it's through our words that we're holding on to the rope. It's through our words that we're holding on to something that's unseen. And this thing, this operation of this thing called faith, which is our words speaking God's words or speaking in agreement with God's words, we're supposed to believe that those words will come to pass. Jesus said, If you'll do that, which denotes effort, It denotes determination. It even denotes time. If you'll do that, you'll have whatever you say. Whatever is on the other side of the other end of the rope that you've taken hold of with your words will be manifest in this physical realm. Then Jesus went further. Verse 24 of Mark chapter 11. He said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So many Christians think that prayer is the thing that gets God to work. That prayer is the thing that gets God to move on your behalf. But it's not prayer that gets God to move on your behalf. It's faith that moves God. And so if the prayer of faith is going to work, he said the prayer of faith will work for anybody and everybody who believes they receive when they pray. But that's really the only requirement that God places on us it's really the only sure way that you can receive what's on the other side of the veil to believe that you receive when you pray well if we believe that we receive when we pray and yet we can't see it it's still on the other side of the veil what are we supposed to do that's where the Bible says thank God and offer him the praise of thanksgiving sacrifice of praise That's where James was saying, count it all joy, when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, folks, remember the story of Abraham in Romans chapter 4. The Bible says Abraham was promised a son. God showed him the stars in the sky and said, so shall your seed be. But now he's 100 years old, and his body's not working in the way that it needs to, to have a child. And Sarah's 90 years old, and her body's not working that way either. They're past childbearing years. So what are they going to do? The Bible says that Abraham was strong in faith. Because he did two things. One thing that he did was look to the promise of God. What promise did God give him? So shall your seed be. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm not sure exactly how this works, so I'm going to have to make a couple of assumptions here. So if I'm wrong, you forgive me, but I think you'll understand the assumptions that I make. The Bible says, through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. So what does that mean Abraham is, is saying? What does that mean that Abraham and Sarah are believing or holding on to? I assume from the scripture that I just quoted, I assume that they're believing for strength to have a child. Now that may not necessarily be true. They may just be believing that the promise of God is true and so, so be it. But let's imagine that they're believing for strength to conceive. Let's believe that they're, or let's assume for a minute, that their faith is on something that would have to take place in order for them to have a child and that is for their bodies to receive strength beyond their years or in spite of their ages so what are they doing they're believing day after day after day after day after day day that something's changing in their bodies so that they can come together Sarah can conceive a child Abraham can impregnate her and they will have the child of promise. So they're believing day after day after day. I wonder how many days they were believing before the devil showed up and said nothing's changed. See, we read some of these stories of the heroes of faith and we imagine that the devil left them alone. But I'm guessing that if you make the hall of fame of heroes of faith you've won your battles. And those battles would certainly be as strong or as significant, if not more so, than the battle that you and I face. Well, I don't know about you, but every battle that I face concerning the devil is he's always right there to tell me what's not happening. Doesn't he do the same to you? wonder how many days it took before Abraham had to deal with the devil. What caused him to be able to get to the place Where the unseen promise of God was realized in the natural realm. The Bible says he occupied his time with looking under the promise of God. Looking under the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, but was strong in faith. What made him strong in faith? Same thing that makes you and me strong in faith. Looking under the promise of God. Looking under the promise of God. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, the rest of that verse says Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. How do you think that he got to the place where he was fully persuaded? There's only one way you can be fully persuaded, and that's by looking at the promise of God. Looking under the promise of God means you're looking away from everything else. So, what did Abraham do? Abraham fixed his attention on the unseen realm. He looked on the other side of the curtain. Now he couldn't see on the other side of the curtain. I'm not trying to say he went around the side and sneaked a peek. But he had the same thing that you and I have. The only way we can possibly know what's on the other side of the curtain is to find out what God's word says is ours. And that's what he looked at. And that's the only thing he looked at. He was aware of the physical condition of both himself and Sarah. He saw when things looked like they weren't working. And then he saw when things looked like they were working. But the only way that he could stay strong in faith is the same for you and I. And that is to look to the promise of God. To focus entirely and focus only on what God said. The Bible goes further in Romans chapter 4 and it says, Abraham considered, his body, considered not his body now dead when he was 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That doesn't mean he denied their ages. That doesn't mean he just looked away and said, well, I don't want to think about that. It means he chose something on purpose to look at that was greater than the physical circumstance. And the Bible tells us what that was. He looked under the promise of God. He looked under the promise of God. What did that necessitate that he do? Well, we know in other situations, in other scriptures we've just read, that we hold fast the confidence that we have in him because we're operating according to his will by holding fast the profession of our faith he refused to allow anything to come out of his mouth that was contrary to what God had said he refused to talk about the physical circumstance because the physical circumstance could not stop God's word from becoming a reality if Abraham stayed in faith He refused to cast away his confidence no matter what he looked like, no matter what his wife looked like, no matter what it looked like was going on in their bodies. He chose to be strong in faith. A choice to look at the unseen realm, a choice to look at the promises of God concerning what's yours on the other side of the veil is a choice to be strong in faith. Some people have the idea that that people are born with greater faith. Some people are born with greater faith than others. But the reality is, strong faith is a choice. Weak faith is a choice. And it's determined by what you look at. It's determined by what you keep your eyes fixed upon. It's determined by what you focus on. Now we know what works, and that's the reason the story of Abraham is given to us in the scripture. What works is to look under the promise of God where it says Abraham considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb doesn't mean he's denying the circumstances it means he's looking at something that is a greater truth it means he's looking at something that can change the physical realm and the physical circumstances what is that? God's word and it's the only thing that can it's the only thing that can so what does Abraham do? Well, he became fully persuaded by looking under the promise of God. And then he did one more thing. He gave glory to God. He thanked God for the answer before he could see the answer. Now, why would you do that? What would make a person do that? Well, there's only one thing that can bring us to that place, folks. And that is if we look under the promise of God enough, consistently enough. So that it's the only thing that's before our eyes then we'll see ourselves with the answer no matter what the circumstances are. And when you see yourself with the answer, there's no way you can help but praise God for it. So Abraham was strong in faith. He looked under the promise of God and not to his body, the condition of his body. And that brought him to the place where he was fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. And then he thanked God for the answer. He glorified God for the answer. Well, the child was born. The child's on the, the, the seen side of the veil. He's got a little boy that he can hold in his hands. He can teach him, and he did. He taught him about God. He taught him about the things of God. He taught him who he was in covenant with. And as the son began to mature, there came a point in time when God put him to the test, the ultimate and the supreme test. He said, offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Now there's a little play on words there that the English doesn't really bring out. God never told him to kill his son as the sacrifice or to be the sacrifice. He said, offer him like you're going to. The Bible says God can't tempt anybody with evil. Well, murder would be evil, wouldn't it? Offering your child as a sacrifice would be evil, wouldn't it? So that's not what God said. It's, it's impossible for that to be what God said. But the point is simply this: there, there came a point in time, and we don't know exactly how old uh, Isaac was at this point. I've seen estimates anywhere between t- uh, 12 and 17 years old. The only thing that we know is the Bible tells us that he uses a word that indicates that there's stubble on his uh, stubble of his beard on his chin, and that's why people come up with the Uh, I assume that's why people come up with the the estimates between 12 and 17 years old. But however old he is, there comes a point in time where Isaac is told by his father that they're going to travel three days and offer God a sacrifice. Well, that's not new for Isaac. He's ready to go. He knows what they're supposed to do. So he puts everything on, on the animals that they're going to need for the sacrifice and then he realizes something's missing he said dad we've got the fire we've got the wood we've got everything we need for the altar but we didn't bring a sacrifice and Abraham said remember Abraham is this guy that believed for the impossible by looking under the promise of God and remember what that promise was so shall your seed be and it refers to when God shows him the stars in the sky he said that's what your seed will be like Abraham knows who that seed is going to come through doesn't he Abraham is not expecting to have more children. He's expecting Isaac to have children and to continue his line or his seed. So Abraham says, knowing full well the promise of God is, so shall your seed be as the stars of the sky. He tells his son that God will provide himself a sacrifice. I don't have any doubt that he was speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because God... In response to Abraham's faith and willingness to obey his heavenly father or God in heaven. He wasn't born again, so I don't guess we call him his father yet. Abraham's desire to obey God was so great that God was then obligated to offer his son. Since Abraham offered his to God, God had to offer his son Jesus to us. So they travel three days. That's significant as far as the three days between Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And they finally get to the place, God says, that mountain right there is where I want you to go. So he tells the other guys, tells the other servants that are on the, the trip with him, he says, stay here, Isaac and I will go up to the mountain and offer a sacrifice unto God and we'll return. He said, we will return. He said, we will return. Now here's what I want you to see. Notice how Abraham has changed. Age 75, God appears to him and says, Go to the land that I tell you to go. Leave your father's land and go where I tell you to go. And I'll bless you, and you'll be a blessing, and I'll make your name great. Abraham receives the promise of God over the years, all except the one, and that is the promise of having children. So he gets to about 100 years old, and Isaac is born. Now some 15 years maybe later, Abraham has the promise of God realized he's watching every day he's watching his son looking at his son every day he's got proof that God's promise is true he's got proof that God does what he promises and then God says offer him as a sacrifice at this point Abraham has turned into an anything is possible guy he wasn't that way When he was about 99 years old. God appeared to him and told him he was going to have a son. And Abraham laughed. And basically said God I'm too old. Why don't you just bless Ishmael. He was born of Sarah's handmaid Hagar. He's the father of the Arab people today. And God said well I will take care of him. And I will bless him because he's yours. But the child of promise. The one that I promised you is Isaac. He'll be born in about a year. So Abraham goes from being a person of faith and seeing God's word realized to at least being in doubt and unbelief in that one area for a period of time. We don't know how long, but he changed that the promise of God, the reassurance of God that his original promise was still true was enough to cause Abraham to change from unbelief to faith. Not just any faith, strong faith, miracle working faith. And he receives the miracle that God promised. Now, fast forward another 10 or 15 years, or 15 or 17 years, however long. Now, God's asking him to destroy the evidence that Abraham had that God's word is true. But God's word hadn't changed so shall your seed be as the stars of the sky, is still the promise of God to him. So the Bible says that Abraham, if he, I mean uh, Hebrews chapter 11, tells us that Abraham had developed in faith to the point where he's reasoning this out. If I offer Isaac as a sacrifice, Isaac is still the one that the promise of God will be realized through. So if it takes God raising him from the dead, he'll do it. Folks, when you get people or become this kind of person yourself, well, you take the promise of God and turn it to apply it to yourself rather than listen to the devil's excuses for why it shouldn't belong to you. That's when God is glorified. We see an example of that of the Syrophoenician woman, the woman that came to Jesus and said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, healer. Jesus ignores her first. Then she won't leave him alone. So Jesus answers and says, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And She worships him and she says, Lord, help me. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread, the healing and deliverance she's looking for, and cast it to dogs. But she turned his word to her benefit. Rather than giving up, and she had plenty of opportunity to give up. Rather than give up and say, well, I'd heard that you help people, but... I guess I'm not worthy of your time. I guess I'm not worthy of you doing anything for me. She turned it around she said, Lord, that's true, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, woman, quit trying to manipulate me. He says, woman, great is your faith. She wouldn't take no for an answer. And she pled her case based on the word of God that was given to her. That's what Abraham's doing with Isaac. He's reasoning out. If it takes God raising this boy from the dead, he'll do it. So Abraham takes him up to the mountain. Prepares, has, really has Isaac do all the work. And then he tells Isaac something. We don't know what. But he tells Isaac something about God's instruction to him. Abraham about offering Isaac as a sacrifice. Now Abraham's 115 years old. Isaac just being a middle teenager if if he was that old can certainly overpower his dad. Isaac had to be on board with this to some degree. Now I'm not saying he didn't have questions. Can you imagine the conversation going up and coming down the mountain? But Isaac could have kept this from happening if he tried, he was just as much a party to this and in agreement with his father's actions as Abraham was himself. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Abraham did a bang up job telling Isaac and teaching Isaac about who God is. So Abraham gets him in position. He lifts his hand with the knife in his hand. He lifts his hand. To sacrifice his son. And the angel has to stop him. Abraham is so willing to obey God. That the angel has to stop him. And says don't do the son any harm. Now notice what Abraham was willing to give up. Abraham was willing to offer as a sacrifice. The means of. Whereby his seed would be as the stars of the sky. That corresponds to us seeing results in faith. That corresponds to us believing God for healing and things start getting better. I've seen this over and over again. I've seen that people's faith starts to work to bring healing and health to them. And when their circumstances or their symptoms improve, they look at the symptoms as their evidence. But folks, faith always, whether things get better or whether things look like they're getting worse, faith is the evidence of things not seen, not improvement, not a positive change in your circumstances or in your diagnosis. I've seen people go to doctors and doctors tell them, hey, you're getting better. And they put their, they shift their faith over onto what the doctor said and miss out on what God had and what really began in their bodies. Faith always and only can be based in God's word. So what happens? The angel shows them a little lamb that's stuck in the brush nearby. They offer that as a sacrifice. And they come down the mountain. Now no matter what Isaac thought about this plan. On the way to the the mountain, Mount Moriah. We don't know when Abraham talked to him. I have to assume that he told him what was going on at some point, but we don't know if that was before they started off on the three-day journey. We don't know if that was when he got to the top of the mountain. It had to be sometime after Isaac said we're forgetting the sacrifice, because if he knew what was going on at that point, he wouldn't have made that observation. But where that occurred, I really don't know. But can you imagine the talk that he had with Isaac coming down the mountain? Can you imagine now that Isaac's eyes are completely opened to the miraculous God that his father's in covenant with? To the willingness of God himself, the creator of the universe, to do for his covenant partner anything and everything in the, in the universe. Now folks, that operation... To me is even greater faith than Romans chapter 4 talks about concerning the birth of Isaac as a father I look at that situation and wonder would I do the same thing and I honestly have come to the conclusion over the years there's no way to answer that because God never told me to do it faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word so unless God has told you something along those lines there's no way you could have faith for it what I do know is I don't have faith for it at this point I do not have faith for it and there would be no way that I could have faith for it because God hadn't given the word but Abraham sure did I want you to notice folks Abraham didn't drop the rope even after Isaac was born he's the ultimate In holding fast the profession of your faith. Now why does the Bible tell us these stories? So that we can apply them to ourselves. So that we can know what the ingredients are. That bring miraculous victories. In our lives. That pull the rope. From the unseen realm into the seen realm. Even our words. God has guaranteed that if we will hold fast the profession of our faith that we'll receive because he's faithful who promised and it'll work every time I wish I could tell you that it'll work overnight but I can tell you that it works amen let's pray Father thank you for the privilege that we have to walk by faith thank you for your word that becomes the foundation that we can stand upon the foundation that we can believe you for even the miraculous as we look only unto your promise we thank you Father that our faith gives substance to what we hope for and brings into this natural and physical realm all that Jesus purchased for us all those things that we cannot yet see they're still real just as real as if we could see them. And your word is still true. So we thank you, Father, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we were healed. We declare that our bodies are free from sickness and disease. We declare that the word of God is working mightily in our flesh. We believe that our words are coming to pass. We refuse to doubt, Father, And because we look only to your promise, we glorify you for the answer. Thank you, Father, for the answer. Thank you for the healing power of God that restores our bodies. Even as you said in Jeremiah 30, verse 17, Father, I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. We call our health restored and our wounds healed. You said that you redeem our lives from destruction Father and crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies. You said that you've made an utter end of affliction through Jesus and affliction shall not rise again the second time. We thank you Father for lifting the burden of off our shoulders and the yoke of off our necks and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Thank you Father for your healing power we believe your word we worship your father we magnify your holy name we call ourselves healed we call ourselves whole we call our bodies well in the precious and holy name of Jesus thank you father for making it real for keeping your word as you always do In Jesus' name. Say it with me. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. No matter what it looks like, healing is mine. I'll never turn back. I'll never give up because healing is mine. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to know we are healed. Amen. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we feel like, healing is.